Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's State of State. We got your Nittany Line update. It's a football discussion with Tom and Justin. So kick back and press play. With former Penn State and NFL defensive back Justin King, I'm Tom Hannafin. This is State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online. College football season is in full swing, and the last of the major pro sports leagues are off and rolling. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. College basketball is ready to go. The NFL, college football, and the NHL are all in play right now. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the basketball betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips, with both desktop and and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fear of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. Check out the latest Lockdown U and Lawn Boys merchandise today. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. And if you're looking for the perfect beer for Penn State football season, we've got you covered with the State IPA. Special thanks to our friends at Funk Brewing for creating the best tailgate and game day beer for Nittany Lion fans. A limited supply of the State IPA is still available now at beer distributors, grocery stores, Funk's tap rooms, plus select bars and restaurants. Visit www.funkbrewing.com slash beers slash state dash IPA to learn where and how you can get state IPA before it runs out for the season. Check out the link in the description of this podcast for more information. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Number 10, Penn State falls to number three, Michigan at home by a score of 24 to 15. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, this is a very difficult game to process. Penn State falls to 10 and two. Uh, well, falls to eight and two. And now it's like looking at the season and possibly finishing 10 and two. I kind of jumped to conclusions there, but still two games left to play. And it feels, unfortunately, Justin, uh, same old, same old with what we've seen from Penn State. Very difficult to get by those top two teams within the Big Ten East alone in Ohio State and Michigan. And it wasn't a game that I felt, you know, at least on the field from a personnel standpoint that Penn State could not win for the first three quarters. I really felt like Penn State was hanging in there defensively. Penn State was keeping them in the game. The Penn State defense was doing everything possible. Uh, we we were not live for this recap episode because you had the good fortune of being at the game uh, Good fortune, obviously, it was a disappointing outcome, but still you got to be at the game. What's your initial reaction to this? Because I know I'm I'm disappointed like a lot of Penn State fans. Well, I mean, the, the positive takeaways is the defense, right? They showed up to play football. It was a physical football game on both sides of the um, of the ball. But the, the offense was obvious. It, it was disappointing, especially at the end of the game, not being able to put points on the board. Because like you said, it didn't feel – it wasn't a – personnel mismatch at all right like and just staying within it it was a, a heavyweight belt like we said it was going to be coming into the game and what that means like they're going to make plays 
got to withstand it. You're going to make plays and you have, and they have to withstand it. And I actually liked the identity that they were coming out with being aggressive, going for it on fourth down, even going for it on two in certain situations. I know that's like sometimes frowned upon um, in the, in the, I guess the community of the conventional football, but like sometimes when you're going at it and you're trying to win a game versus a top tier defense, top three team in the country, you have to be aggressive. And there's a message that you send to your players at the same time of like, Hey, we're going to, be aggressive this whole game. Now that didn't continue to stay consistent throughout the game, as we saw the play calling was a little clunky, um, very inefficient from the passing. I think Drew only had like 70 yards passing. He looked a little startled back there a couple times. Couldn't really do much between the tackles, but we were able to move the ball a little bit. And I think to be able to contain Michigan's offense the way we were most of the, the game is something that is a uh, I mean, admirable. There's no moral victories in this, but there are some things at the end of the day. We have to be able to score on top tier teams and make plays and win those matchups. From from my perspective as a fan, and then just you know as a broadcaster attempting to be unemotional about it, the two biggest problems in this game were play calling offensively and game management. Uh, play calling, it was extremely predictable, and then uh, you even touched on it briefly. The drive at the end of the second quarter where Drew uh, Drew Aller ultimately. Uh, I got a rushing touchdown. Boy, that was not because it was called expertly. It was because the players persevered and managed a way to, to find something. The fact that it took a, uh, a, a an opposite field running back pass, putting your starting quarterback in no man's land in the flat where he could have gotten drilled and an easy shot for a defender. I don't love that. I know you as a defender would have been licking your chops to do that against a starting quarterback. Um and that's been symptomatic is that I've seen that similar type of play. Trey Potts did that for a touchdown, granted, against Illinois to Tyler Warren. When there have been challenging moments, they kind of go to that one play, which is like, okay, like that's a that's a trick play. So th there's that specifically. And then from a game management standpoint, going forward on fourth down in some situations where those are just head scratchers, you understand trying to be aggressive. Uh, I'm kind of of the old school mind of like, hey, Points are going to be at a premium, so take the points, take the field goal, take the the PAT if you can get it. So I, I'm not necessarily in, in line with that. There's certain opportunities, yeah, where mathematically going for the two, I, I completely understand it, but that's just a difference of philosophy, and that's the way this staff conducts itself. I don't know, man. This was really uh, – th this is another thing that was just symptomatic, and uh, the, the record now for James Franklin, 3-17 and 17 in his time at Penn State against the top 10. And, and the question was asked of Drew Aller, what is it going to take to close the gap between Ohio State and Michigan? And he did point out, he's like, at points in those games this season, those were one-score games, and it does feel like it's close, but then at the same time, Justin, it feels like it's miles away. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult, right? Because when you say even from the aggressive play calling or aggressive moves from fourth down going for on two, you'd expect to see aggressive play calling throughout throughout the game, whether it's taking shots down the field, um, mixing it up a little bit, some play action and passes, even we have to rehash some successful runs. Uh, I don't jump too much on the record against Ohio State or Michigan because if you did the same thing, against top schools across the country, whether it's like, hey, what's the record at LSU versus Alabama or Florida State versus Clemson in the past years? I mean, the last 10 years, there's just been some dominating programs across the country. If we just want to scale out of the sure. Penn State ecosystem a little bit, but like Alabama and uh, Clemson kind of have that same thing. If you did that with the, 
third, I mean, that second tier in their division. So I don't hold too much about that record being there because Ohio State and Michigan have been pretty dominant across the board. You know what I mean? So, so but to get over that hump, there has to be a level of, I mean, having playmakers, right? Because I think even when we've seen the different plays that Michigan made, like they were running the football. They threw the ball two times in the second half. Like they were not, again, we could talk about play calling, and I know it was clunky, it was terrible, some things weren't great to watch, and we can always go down to it. But Michigan won on basic football principles, right? Running the football, tackling, and doing things in that in that frame. But I have to give our ch- guys a, a chance to win and putting the ball out there. So, I mean – I think it's we gotta keep looking to upgrade the roster when you talk about personnel and playmakers when it's uh when that happens because when we have beat those teams we had top tier playmakers whether it's 2017 when Saquon's doing his thing playing Ohio State and KJ Hamler Deshaun uh Jahan Dawson and you know I mean guys at that caliber we're just making plays like making the routine plays special plays and that's what happened right so. When it comes down to that, it's hard when an uh, offensive coordinator doesn't call you know, the best plays because, like we said, the fourth and one, I definitely understand fans not wanting that and loving that type of call. But I, I look at it a little bit as like, hey, it takes some – has some nuts to, you have to have some nuts to call that type of play in that moment against that team and a quarterback draw. It's like – because from the play calling standpoint, they're like, those are executed plays. And it's just like, okay, what made you call that? But go back to being very conservative between the 20 yard, the 20, 20 yard line. Right. So I think there just needs to be alignment all the way through. If we're going to be aggressive, let's be aggressive, have the personnel to be aggressive and just continue to do that. But sometimes in the inconsistencies, it makes us think like, okay, what are we doing? Why, why is that the route we're going about our game plan and being risky on fourth down or going for it? Uh, for a two-point conversion. Here's the thing for me, Justin, is that the game we just saw against Maryland, there was rhythm with the play calling. You saw Drew get into a rhythm. You saw him be comfortable. Uh, James Franklin even said it after uh, the game in his very brief press conference, quote, we have to do a better job of calling a game to allow our quarterback to get in rhythm. Well, you, you did that against Maryland. You didn't do that against Ohio State. This felt like you took the game plan and execution of Ohio State and you just duplicated it. But then it's like you had this stellar showing against Maryland, and I get it. The competition is different. Ohio State and Michigan are better teams than what Maryland presents, but still the core, the heart of what you saw from the offense against Maryland, that was what – that works. That that looked like, oh, this is the offense. You and I talked about it. It's like, man, this is – this was the breakout moment. This is the chance for momentum. Like duplicate this performance. And it seemed like Justin, they took the game plan and the film study from Maryland. And they just threw it out the window and they're like, we're going to do exactly what we did against Ohio state. I mean, how is that possible? I mean, it's interesting because I watched the Maryland game on the television and being at this Michigan game, it's a, sometimes it's a different feel. And so just to give, I mean, fans or even, you know, if you're at the game or watching on television, Sometimes how the game reads is a little different when you're down on the field level Absolutely. and you don't have all the different information. You don't have the commentators putting different thoughts in your head. You don't have the replay over and over again to see how clear things are. So even when I'm thinking about, okay, like, okay, why is everyone, I understand why everyone's talking about the offensive coordinator, but at the same time, the way that the game was going, it was like a heavyweight bout. I have to make plays, right? Like players have to make plays in these type of games. Like there should no, never be an instance when you're playing defense as good as they were, 
where I don't know if it's a tackle or something gets washed down and Blake Corum is able to run scotch free down the field. Like it, it comes down to matchups. I'm not absolving any coach of um, any play calls of, or anything, but it, I mean, we, ha- we have to just be able to make plays at the end of the day. Like that's what it comes down to. Cause I say that to say there was moments where Drew looked a little rattled back there. Right. So like there's sometimes where you have to make a play cause he didn't, necessarily look rattled on the QB draw, like he getting to making that play call and execute it. You know, right? And so we can go whatever we want over to two point conversion, but it's just consistency and alignment throughout the whole thing, whether it's our approach, our personnel and execution along with the game plan. Cause there is something that you send to the players when you're saying we're going for it on fourth down, we're going for it. It's like, we believe in you to execute and beat sure. your man to win in, in a tough game. And like, that's another thing when you're playing a, a team that is maybe by the numbers better than you and that you have to continue to value the points, you got to take some of those risky calls and live with the an execution and the critique that comes with that. So that's what that comes with that part of it. The thing that was so, you know, I mentioned the play calling. It just felt very predictable. It was that inside run over and over to the point that it just it just never really got going. Uh, Katron had success with it because that is his game. And then you and I have talked about this a lot with Nick. When they put him in that diamond formation and they gave him kind of a pistol look where he could get going when he has that proverbial, and you've touched on it, that four to five yards to kind of get going, he can be really effective. But to be able to go from your stance to a little hop step to one side and then try and make cuts. That's that's just not Nick's game yet. And I don't know if that sets him up for success. I think it helps Katron. I really wasn't too disappointed with what the offensive line did. Yes, the pressure was bad on Drew, so that that is certainly an issue. And you could have done some things in terms of formations to have prevented against that, you know, bunch in your tight ends a little bit. But then just, again, all the creativity and the flow and the uh, spatial uh, utilization that they had against Maryland. I think the touchdown to Theo Johnson was the only time I saw anybody go up the seam tight end wide receiver didn't matter. And we saw that a ton against Maryland. And I, I do come back to the point you made about personnel is that yes, this wide receiver core is absent of that true game changer of all the names that you just mentioned. And I know we've wanted to see Keandre be that guy. And hell, we even talked about Dante Cephas being that guy. And it's no disrespect to them. It's just there are those game changers and then there are not. And even Joel Klatt talked about on the broadcast. I know you couldn't hear it, but still he was like, this is that point in the game, you know, late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, where you got to go to your ace in the hole, that player that is going to make a play for you. And my first thought was like, I don't know who that is right now. And it's not that there aren't talented guys out there. It's just that. Who's that dude that I'm going to throw, you know, a slant route to or something like that? Or hell, maybe it's getting Nick or Katron in space on a screen or something like that. It's absent right now. It's tough. No, it's 100 percent tough. And I mean, especially when you're very heavy system reliant as well. Right. Like when we like kind of run system first and then if the guy's open, you hit him with the ball. We don't know if we do too many. Mat- I can't say we don't do matchup situations, but we're, you know, we played our house later or even today. Like they kind of stuck with their bread and butter. Like we t- think about how exotic or play calls. Like I mean, off tackle left, off tackle right. It's not doesn't take a genius to do it. It just takes the personnel and execution and things that 
get behind that game theory and continue to stick it out. And that's what they did from an offensive standpoint against a great defensive performing Penn State team, right? And then we can talk about the different penalties that could have been called or not called um, throughout the game as well. But, yeah, we definitely want to have more creativity on the offensive on the offensive side. But at, at the same time, I mean, there were just one-on-one situations that weren't we weren't winning. You know, and so like for me, it gets hard to get super hard into the those and or just even the play call because I think again it can get better, but better play calling doesn't absolve execution. Now Penn State ultimately uh, less penalties than Michigan, uh, five for thirty three, Michigan six for fifty. So I, I, honestly, it felt like it was much more in the direction of Penn State altogether. Uh, defensively for Penn State, other than giving up. 227 yards rushing, which granted the amount of rushing attempts that Michigan had, uh, 46, 4.9 yards per carry. And as you mentioned, McCarthy only attempted uh, two passes, I think, in the second half, seven of eight on the day altogether for 60 yards through the air. So it's like, I wouldn't say it shut down McCarthy. They just made a decision of like, we're just going to do this. And they stuck with their size and the bully ball that you talked about. But I guess what I'm saying kind of validate the point of like all those things are cool. I mean, better play calling and all that is just like we lost to a team that necessarily didn't have better play calling or any of the things that we necessarily needed. It was just a matter of, hey, this is how we're going to execute. This is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to attack it. Because if we would have come out and, and that being aggressive was what we were going to do, we should have probably took some more shots down the field if we're going to go for it on fourth down. And we were executing. I mean, into the first half. Again, I'm not against the aggressive play call. I spent a whole year of just going through the analytics of the benefits of those type of coaches. But can you stomach that risk tolerance, right? Like, it's just where do you want to make your money? Some people like to do parlays. Some people like to make it, you know, over under. It's just how you want to go about it. And it's just you stick with that theory the whole way through. Sometimes it's just more conservative, and that's kind of Michigan's play. But you just stick through it the whole way. Like We made them one. that We didn't make them one-dimensional like they were able to just succeed from running the football so with that being the case i i would like to see more execution again like what 70 yards from drew i'm trying to pull up the the stat line here we got yeah any... drew aller uh finished the day through the air 10 of 22 for 70 yards one touchdown 45 percent completion percentage and then on the ground 10 attempts 49 yards and a touchdown uh along of 11 and average 4.9 yards per carry yeah, see, that's just you just have to be more explosive against the the better players. I mean, again, Michigan came out playing man to man, and like they were defending, they were defending them. Like there were throws that were a little off, like there were open situations. So I just, I kind of, when I see games in person, I just see the plays that are left on the field that could have been made, and just wonder, like, okay, was that a bad play call, or was that a poorly thrown ball, or? executed a route from that standpoint, but they still have to execute and do better, right? Like, I think, again, we showed up on defense, 70 yards from both quarterbacks. It wasn't a very exciting football game. We saw two elite defenses out there. But you have to have playmakers uh, in these type of games or separation. No, and and Michigan, to their credit, uh, their ability to run the ball, Corum and Edwards – were their playmakers. J.J. McCarthy, also a playmaker in the right moments, he was able to move the sticks consistently. It's more of a 
uh, a macro perspective at the, at this game than anything for me, Justin, because it's just it's just deflating all the hype that was coming into this season. A lot of the air came out of the balloon against Ohio State, and justifiably so. You lost that major test, and it's on the road. It's your uh, one of your first major tests for a young quarterback. Like there's all these things that you can be like, okay, you can almost forgive it. And then it's like, man, you could have washed a lot of that away if you'd somehow toppled Michigan. And the thing that's just frustrating is that you could have, you right. could have. This was not, this was not like last year where it was what forty-one to fifteen. I'm blanking on what the final score was, but a blowout. And this, this wasn't that. This was in striking distance the whole time. And it does, it does make you wonder. It's like, okay. What, what is it going to take? Because I, I I know I've been through this as a Penn State fan, and you've been through it as a Penn State player, and now a, a fan and someone who's worked for the team and someone who now covers the team. It's like every year we do this, and we're like, oh, man, this is the year, national title hopes. And that's why, like, at the beginning of this season, I was trying to be like, hey, Big Ten title hopes. Like, let's, let's start there because <laughs> look at how difficult it is to even try and get there, and who knows what's going to happen between Ohio State and Michigan now. That That's going to be a – that, that's an unpredictable game in my opinion. So, and then you have all these guys coming in, all these teams coming in from the PAC 12 next season. It doesn't get any easier all of a sudden. So like, what, what do you take away from this? I take away from that. You got to find your brand of football, right? Like at the end of the day, like it's, it's sticking to your brand and building around your brand of football. Michigan kind of committed to Evan, elite interior lineman, we're going to run the football, we're going to play great defense, and we're just going to build our football team around that, regardless of what's happening around the, the scene of football, the, the running gun type of offenses. We're going to build it this way and see if you can play our type of ball. And, like, having that identity and you build the depth around that, it's built a little bit easier to execute. I think just what we're witnessing a little bit is the inconsistency from the Penn State offensive coordinator situation, right? Like, your switch is – the third or fourth offensive coordinator. I mean, Manny Diaz is the second defensive coordinator and James is tenure. So when you just think about that inconsistency and in building around a certain philosophy that maybe Joe Moore had had or a philosophy that the OC after that had. And then now years just comes in and you want to build around the philosophy of that person has. And then now you just have a different personnel, whether they're all good, but just fitting in different areas where you see a defense that kind of came together under some continuity under Brent Pry. And then Manny Diaz comes in and kind of picks up and, and there's alignment all the way through. So you kind of see the different things that are going along because Penn State's defense, I mean, they play a pretty exotic defense and have, you see the talent and the execution across the board. And when they do excel, it's basic fundamental football. They tackle well, they create turnovers and all those different types of things. But they're also very aggressive to where if they get beat, like we've seen a couple of times where blitzes might not get picked up and they give a big plays, but it's consistently through and fits their personnel. I think that's comes a thing that's lacking on the offense right now. And until that gets under control, I, I think it's going to be hard to surpass Ohio State that has a, a cultural identity in the offense, whether it's big time receivers and a certain type of running back Michigan on offense, we're going to run the football with big running backs and da da da, And like, like, and so like those things are in place. And when you fit into that, and so until we get that, I think identity on offense throughout um, a couple of years of building through the personnel. I mean, I think we're going to still be upset or disappointed in these type of situations. 
Even though the fall can feel jam-packed, HelloFresh makes whipping up a home-cooked dinner actually doable with quick and easy options, including their 15-minute meals. That's less time than it takes to get delivery. And with everything pre-portioned and delivered right to your door every week, it really is a no-brainer. Some of my personal favorites, the pub-style shepherd's pie is delicious, and the fully loaded pork taquitos, two of my favorite dishes. And Justin, on top of that, they're healthy, they're fresh, and they save me time and money. Talk about convenience, something that tastes good and saving money. I mean, it's essential in my life where I'm just running around, whether it's podcast, talent management, dealing with my daughter in tennis and moving around and having a healthy, convenient meal that saves money on the grocery bill and just the food budget is amazing. It's a plus one in my book. You hit the nail on the head. We all know HelloFresh takes the hassle out of mealtime, but did you know it can also save you money? HelloFresh is 25% less expensive than takeout. So that means you can get an easy home-cooked meal on the table and more money back in your pocket. So head to HelloFresh.com slash 50Lion and use code 50Lion, that's 50-L-I-O-N, for 50% off plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash 50Lion and use the code 50Lion, 50-L-I-O-N, for 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. I do want to be realistic about the personnel Penn State has is that there is a young nucleus here that I know people don't want to hear this, but in 2024, 2025, there's going to be growth. There's going to be progress. And there are holes on this roster that have been illuminated through the course of this season that I think we thought were going to be better than they were during the offseason. You and I can admit to that. Wide receiver, absolutely. I think offensive line could afford to get better. Uh, the interior, the defensive line, still an issue. Linebacker can afford to get better. I mean, the, the, some of the bright spot, uh, spots of this team were defensive end. Um, I, I think tackle is great. Obviously, we know Olufashanu is. Uh, tight ends are solid. Running backs, we know all the potential in the world there. Lockdown U has more depth than we know what to do with. But it's it's that incremental progress that all the resources are in place. And now it's just trying to get this all to come together to the point that it's not a 10 and two season, that it's not a, a season that falls short of a big 10 title. And like, listen, you don't even play Michigan next year, but you do play Washington, UCLA and Ohio state, at least at home, uh, forget the entirety of the schedule next year, but anyway, it's just, no, I mean, naming those schools, like the first thing that comes to my mind is like, you better be explosive. Cause like those are ex like mm -hmm. historically explosive teams. So if we're talking about where the offense uh, isn't performing up to the ability, I mean, I'm sure that they're looking at what's going on. I think we've seen different areas of the offense operate. I, I mean, I give a little credit because it's, it's Drew's first year, right? It's Mike's first year with him as a starting quarterback. So I, I've seen the growth of systems as they work, as people come into what's going on, they get a couple of their players and, and the culture like starts to gel. Like you, you keep, we brought up Maryland a couple of times where what does a balanced offense look like when it operates well? I thought was that was efficient, <laughs> efficient and beautiful, right? But like, I mean, it doesn't always happen when you're playing against other elite teams. So, I mean, when it comes down to those type of situations, you say you want to give some time, but this at the exact same time, you want to clean that up and fix a problem that has existed over the past few years at Penn State, which is a pretty inconsistent and clunky offense. 
Inconsistent and clunky is a very good way to put it. Um, obviously, a disappointing game. Penn State falls to Michigan 24 to 15 now uh, at eight and two on the season, remaining on the schedules uh, on the schedule, uh, Rutgers and Michigan State. And we'll see where the rest of this season takes us. Thank you all so much for joining us. Like, comment, subscribe, turn on notifications. Hop in the comment section. Let us know what you think about this one. Uh, we're, we're all feeling it today. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter, at TheKing1 and at Tom Hannafin. State of State is presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.